Geek Shock. Geek Shock. Coming in hot. That's what I tell all my dates. Which dates? Oh. Oh. <laughs> Ooh. Well, you need wow. to protect yourself from that burn. Wow. wow. Holy shit. Yeah, you need to roll on the sand with the, like the pu- sea lion pups and uh, protect yourself from that burn. I think I'm just going to leave. I'm obviously not wanted here. You are wanted here. You're loved, Kay. You're loved. Oh, yeah. Not by us, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's just what we do. We bust each other's balls all day long as a sign of affection. All day long. It does not stop. It really doesn't. (laughs) Yeah. And it only ramps up another few notches when Barry's here. Yeah, exactly. Just a few extra notches. Is it? It might not be healthy, though, because you know it's it's almost like a variation of the "I only hit you because I love you" kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, wait a minute. Maybe busting each other's balls all day long is not <laughs> the best way to well, show Well, that's why we, we like stopped doing it physically. Oh, okay. Well, what is this? Everyone that. gets a trophy kind of shit? What kind of talk <laughs> is that? <laughs> you should be told you're the smelly kid in school. You should be told you suck at sports. You should be. Oh, <laughs> all right, let me get my list out. <laughs> mm. Hey, what was that Canadian uh, heavy metal band we were supposed to ask? Uh, uh, I don't know. Down. You know why? Because they're Canadian heavy metal band. Oh, okay. I, have, I, I can't From even... like 1982, apparently. Yeah, was I was watching some YouTube video of the uh, the best heavy metal albums of 1982. And that was one of the runner-ups th- from the uh, the guy that ran the show and was obviously showing you how much more he knew about metal than you. Ah, uh, okay. He, his, it's funny because like most, uh, most uh, album critics, you know, you take what they say with a grain of salt. But this guy was very adamant about how right he was about certain things and I'm like well that's your opinion and you're stating it as fact which is often a problem I have with a lot of critics although I have to say he does write a lot of books on heavy metal so sure but again it's still his opinion when he says this is not good and this is not good but this is amazing again still his opinion sure sure because he knocked down some songs that uh, some heavy metal songs that I find quite enjoyable uh, he number also of, number of the beast, I believe, is what yes. you're referring to. From yeah, that Iron was one Maiden. of them. Yeah. yeah, which is a fucking awesome song. It is an awesome song. You've said it was a little flowery. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> flowery. Number of the beast. But but he we we, but agreed, he held, we both agreed on hallowed be thy name. He 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 held that hallowed be thy name might be the best heavy metal song ever written. And see, I, I will go so far as to say I don't think maybe ever written, but it's definitely up there. I agree that it's one of the best. I don't know if it's necessarily the best. Hey, look, the Shock Monkeys are here. Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 457. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. The worst heavy metal song ever. <laughs> oh, now you come in after that. Okay. Uh, Maple Leaf Matt. <laughs> and we're here to talk Week and Geek. And I can't remember the name of the guy. I think his last name ended with a P. I've, I've just discovered him recently. But uh, he knows what he's talking about. He's but you're right. An opinion's an opinion. I was gonna, yeah, I was going to say from from a from a completely structural standpoint when he was talking about the songs, he's absolutely right about structure and 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 everything that goes with that. But again, when he would say this is bad because of this, that's his opinion. Sure. But the way he stated it was more as like it was more like you should believe this also because this is a fact that this is a bad song. It's like, well, no, it's not a bad song. 
And it's I, a song that you particularly don't think is the best. And I really wish I remembered what channel this was so I could send people that way. Oh, so okay. If they want to. So he's like more. the heavy metal equivalent of the Last Jedi reviewers. I, I, I know. No, definitely not. He's, he's not like, hi, I've started a YouTube channel. This is a, this is a guy that's been around for a while. Hmm. Welcome, Geek Shock. I am... We already did this. <laughs> wow, that didn't take long. Nope. <laughs> we should just let him run with it, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, I, I, I've, it's been a long day. It's been a long day. What geeky things did you do this week, gentlemen? Nothing. No. Let's see. What did I do? What did I do? Well, I played World of Warcraft, so I guess that's pretty geeky. How is that going on your rediscovery of... It's pretty good. I'm, I'm enjoying myself. Norath. I'm enjoying myself. No, wait. Norath is... Uh, Azeroth. Azeroth. What you mean. Norath is uh, EverQuest. Never played EverQuest, so I have no idea. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still enjoying it. Did a lot of PvP. Made a lot of noobs cry. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yep. Wow, that's just wow. What you, le, what level character is he? One hundred twenty, which is the highest level. Wow. Were yeah. you with uh, the others? Yes, I was. Ah. Yeah. Were they making noobs cry too? Yes, we were. We were God. taking names. Now I don't want to play with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're you're going to be the guy. Can't we just all live together in peace and harmony and leave no, the guy be, alone? It'll be more like Matt. Would you just let me move? Can I can I take a step? No, no, no. You'd be on the same side. You'd I be- know, and you'd still be, like, <laughs> ganking me. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, the, the name of the channel you were trying to think of is Banger TV Thank on you. YouTube. Uh, Banger the gentleman's, TV. Yeah, uh, the gentleman's name is not listed. And I don't even think of music when I hear that. I go right to English Breakfast. I would, I, I would I watch think that you channel. guys were... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would watch that yeah. channel. Yeah. English Breakfast channel? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I want some baked beans in my breakfast. Thank you. All right, so you played some World of Warcraft and you liked it. And I, I you, do, I do. And, and I, you beat I'm, down some younger fools. That's right. What is appealing now compared to earlier? Why, why come back? Um, it's more. The factions are now more fighting each other. Than working together like the previous expansions. All right, so it's more Dark like. Age of Camelot. Yes. Wow, there's a throwback. Which I like. I don't Tis like a this silly whole, place. Let's work together for the greater good bullshit. Your player, there's no, you there's like- no new. There's no room for Canada in World of Warcraft. Okay, <laughs> we we just gotta play. <laughs> You're more of a player versus player versus players oh, yes. versus an environment. Yes, kind big of time. guy. Yeah, big time PvP all the way. And I. I'm the exact opposite, and that's why just MMOs and me don't get along. I'm still going to try Fallout 76 or 78. I can't remember. It's in the upper 70s. 76. 76, because it's Fallout. And it seems like it's that survival kind of game that has been all the rage in the last 10 years. But so it's I got a battle know. royale? Is that what you're saying? It's not a battle royale. It, it's more along the lines of uh, uh, Rust. Or okay, yeah. Oh, here it is. Although, with more rules, I guess you got the guy's name. Uh, uh, well, his name is Martin. That's all it says in there. But that's it's it, the the channel. <laughs> the channel is Banger TV. That much. Yeah, I was got. hoping it was going to say Martin and then have his last name, but it just came up as Martin. I was like, I'm sure his last name begins with P. From there, you can figure it out, people. What else you do this week? 
I played uh, a lot of Spider-Man. Yes, you did. I am 75% through that game, and I can officially say this game is not going to shit the bed at the end of it. It is the best game I've played all year. Oh, my. Easily. Nice. Easily. It's so much fun. I have to admit, I have never been a big Spider-Man fan overall. Same. Same. Never really got into the comics. I watched some Spider-Man and his amazing friends in the 80s. And that's kind of... Don't forget the electric company. And, of course, the electric company. Thank you. (laughs) And I never really got into Spider-Man. But after this game, I'm like, I'm getting into some Spider-Man immediately. So I, I've subscribed to Comixology, which is Amazon's comic book yes. subscription thing. Costs like six bucks a month, something like that. Yeah. And you get a huge swath of mostly independent huge. comics. But there is huge. Stop it! I I can't have that man's head in my brain. <laughs> Too late. I've. It's the very best. You can't you can't avoid it now. It's I just can't. it's a part of life. And I'm reading. We have to accept it now. And I'm halfway through Bob Woodward's book Fear, so it's not like I'm, I, it's not sinking in my brain all the time. That's the new book that just came out this week. Yeah, uh, I want to get a copy two weeks of it. ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it's really good. <laughs> it's it's scary. You know what? <laughs> I'm gonna stay on this, but let me get back to okay. Spider-Man afterwards. Right. Yeah. But but it's it's not scary. What's weird is uh, it's. For me, anyway, is this humanized Trump a little bit? Fuck that. Right? But not, but not <laughs> in the fact that, you know, it's like, oh, I feel bad for him. But Better? You understand his motivations a little more? Yeah. He's, he's a okay. dude that can't do the job that he's in, has no interest in learning the job that he's in, thinks he's right for the opinions he's had for 30 years, and basically everybody around him is finding ways to take advantage of him to further their own... Agendas. agendas yeah and that's pretty much what the book lays out people trying to stop certain things from happening and other people trying to get their own agendas through and that's what you've seen for the last two years so yeah that's my opinion of bob woodward's fear but going back to spider-man i downloaded the uh, from comiXology the first masterworks of spider-man so it covers uh, amazing fantasy number 15 and the original first 10 issues of the spider-man comic book Fun. Lots of fun, those originals. And I've I don't I have a hard time going back reading the original Marvel stuff. That's pretty bad. Just because it's you, you wow. after you've read, you know, forty years later yeah. comics in the that ilk that have been written better since. Well, yeah, it's I, I realized yeah. yeah, at the time this was groundbreaking yeah, stuff. It's a product of its time and the time has passed. And so. you, and you you know peel some of that away. Bygone era. And I think it's the second issue that they got uh, Peter Parker's name wrong. <laughs> like, something like, like that, yeah. Like Peter Parner or something like that. I can't remember, but I, I that was kind of striking to see that in the second issue, yeah. but but it's fun reading all these original origins, and all the origins are the same. Somebody got touched by radiation, and they became Doctor Octopus, or or yeah. the Sandman, or they. It's it's all the same thing, so I think I'm going to read these first ten, and then move ahead twenty years to some later Spider-Man stories that had time to gestate a bit. Gotcha. But and some I, of the original fights are bad too, like Mysterio and what's a Plastic Man? What are, no, not Plastic Man. Um, fuck. Sandman? No. No? I, 
Marvel's answer to Plastic Man. It's like Glue Man or Mr. something. Mr. Fantastic? No. Oh. I'm thinking a different guy, but yeah, they're pretty they're pretty fucking bad. What about Glue Man? Just just how they wrote him. <laughs> I think it's Glue Man. Well, DC, pot DC has two characters that are basically That's the right. same. Plastic Man and um, um, shit. I yeah, but Elongated Marvel's Man. Marvel, okay, well then. Elongated Man. Thank you. Okay. So Anyways, go ahead. But but yeah, um Marvel has Mr. Fantastic and I can't I don't I I'm, I'm not as well enough versed in Marvel's history to know if there is a comparable character, but it would not surprise me if there is cuz a lot of times you take the same power set and just apply a different personality and then you get a new character. Uh yeah, I mean it's <laughs> it's funny cuz uh my uh my sister it, talking about things that are product of their time my sister has been showing my 11 year old nephew some uh some 80s movies that she enjoyed or that she knows that i enjoy and uh because she's asked me frequently so what what movies should i show him i said well if you're looking for products of the 80s that are very you know episodic of the 80s and you know representative here's some ones that you should should show him but uh i remember um like Masters of the Universe, Commando. Her telling me, um, keep it going. When she showed it's him like, back, just using Back to the Future as an example, when she showed him that, he was asking her, "What's that thing that he's holding in his hand in the scene where he's um, above his father and then put it playing the cassette of Van Halen through the through ah. the earphones of the Walkman?" And she had to explain to him what a Walkman was because kids don't know what a Walkman is. Sure. It's like that's big and bulky compared to today, or and and most of the time. If they're listening to music, they're using their parents' phone to listen to it. Yeah, that, so. we are past iPods and yeah. Zooms, my yeah. friends. Yeah, the you know the portable MP3 player is well you know passed by the wayside. So, um, but that was just that was one example. Like the, the, some of the That's questions cute. that he had, he's like, I don't understand what that thing is, and you know why would he be wearing a radiation suit? And it's like, well, <laughs> you know, let me tell you about eight tracks, kid. Yeah. You see so, some of those funny videos on YouTube. I go down the rabbit hole quite a bit on YouTube, like like you, Todd. Yeah. Where they show you know, like a young kid and they got a rotary phone. It's like, okay, make a call, and right. he's just recording this kid. Like, well, what do I do? Like, what the? F- <laughs> like, they don't realize you have to take it off the receiver, put it back on. You know, doing all that. It's hilarious. Kids are fucking dumb. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> like you can at least attempt to try to figure it out, wow. but. Yeah, and having the camera on you doesn't stilt you in yeah. any kind of way. It's not intimidating at all to anyone. Oh, please. I remember the, one of those uh, videos they have where they uh, they take kids and they introduce them to original video consoles. And there was one where they had kids from, this, this is about five years ago, they had them play uh, the original Atari and they couldn't they, they're just like what what is going on here i'm like how and the, you know they're holding the controller and they're trying to do all this complex movement and then i realized that most of the games you can only move left or right and so they're you know i think pitfall was one of them where they're you know yes they're trying to you know you're only moving left and right and then you push the button to jump and you know they didn't give them any instruction and they're having to try to figure this out and uh just, they're just like wow i you know i don't i don't understand what to do here you know what, though? Some of those old games on the 2600, yeah. you needed to have the instruction book oh, yeah. to figure out even what you were looking at. 
And it wasn't like you could just go on YouTube and, and yeah. get a you know get a walkthrough and download it and go, oh, okay, I see exactly how to to do the, what I'm trying to do. I mean, I have to do that with games now occasionally because I'll get I'll spend like 20, 30 minutes on a on you know repeating the same thing and not being able to figure out how I get past or figure out this certain puzzle or whatever. Sure. sure. And, if, and if you don't believe me, find yourself an emulator or if you're lucky enough to get a hold of a twenty six hundred. Find yourself a copy of Raiders of the Lost Ark for the 2600. Oh, God, that game. And figure out how to play that son of a bitch. Good yeah. luck. I don't think today I could even play it. And that's... Nope. <laughs> it's a friggin' mystery how what that game even is. I, I've, I've seen walkthroughs yeah. of, of that game, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't get it. Which is another reason why I think E.T. was unfairly judged. Because there's so many other games in that era that are complicated and hard to figure out. I think it just E.T. had several more layers, several more levels added on to that. So, un, you know, undeservedly got that I, title of worst game of all time. I will tell you what makes E.T. better, that particular game. Mm -hmm. Because with the old Atari 2600, there were game selections, variations yes. that you could... You know, hit the little selection button. Right. And it could have anywhere from two to 40 different variants on the game. Right. And the third variant on E.T. took away the scientist uh -huh. and the FBI guy. Okay. Which is what made that game so goddamn unplayable. All right. Because the whole idea of the game is you had to find pieces of E.T.'s quote-unquote phone. Yeah. And then put those together, then go to a specific spot right. at the specific time of, of day and call. And then after a certain amount of time, then he had to go to the landing field and get collected. Right. And then there were little power pellets that you get, little Reese's Pieces that yeah, you yeah. collect for, for points and energy. The two aspects of the game that made it impossible was yeah, yeah, there was a scientist who would come find, who would come pick you up. Right. And take you to his base every time. Yep. So whatever you're doing, he would come find you and take you away. And if the FBI guy would come over and steal things from you. Yes. Which was your piece of of your phone or a piece of candy or your health. Right. And if those things taking you away and always pulling things away from you made that game impossible. But if you did the third variant, it took those things away, and you could actually play the game through. See, I didn't even know there was that third variant because I had only ever played. I never, I never had my own Atari to play on, so I always played at my friend Greg's house. Sure. And he had the game, he had the console, and I remember playing it like for an hour one time, and I just couldn't figure out what I was doing. I mean, I I find the the Reese's pieces, and I'd find pieces of the communication device, but after I would pick those up, I didn't know what to do with them. And the instruction booklet was not very helpful in that game. So, Well, another game to fuck your life up? Sword Quest. Oh, Any yeah. Any of the Sword Quest series. Yep. Dumb. Stupid. <laughs> awful games. What was your favorite game on the system? That's a good question. That's I a have one. good question. Okay. You, you're going to have one. I'm going to have to think about it for a second. I forget the name of it, though, but I me. can describe it. Okay. It's like two artillery pieces, and you fire at each other. Oh. I forget the name of it, but I played the hell out of that game. I believe I remember <laughs> that game. I just I can't remember no. the name of it either. Very simple graphics. I always liked yep. the games where you had to fight against another player. 
Okay. What? Yeah, that was one Imagine that hard to believe. Imagine that. <laughs> I hate modern multiplayer, but you throw some multiplayer in 2600 in the room, I'm all about it. So I, I like. So one. of course the original combat was terrific. Uh, slot racer, I really enjoyed for that same reason. Surround, uh, which was basically uh, like Snake, where you would you would get. No, oh, yes. no, you know what? Kind of like Tron. Yeah, that's exactly what yeah. it is. Surround was Tron light cycles. Yeah. Yeah. That's what that was. And then you could do a, I think the ninth variant of that one, and it was a little screen drawing thing, little little pixel drawer. Jeff, um, I I know it's it's such a simple game, but I really enjoyed Asteroids. Yeah, that's on, a good one on Atari yeah. and Pole Position. Pole Position was a lot of fun too. But uh, yeah, I I don't know what it was. I could shoot asteroids for hours, and especially with just that basic you know graphic on there, and you know it's not a terribly com convoluted game, I guess, to play. But it starts to get really complex once the more and the more asteroids come in. And when you shoot them, they don't just go away. They shrink down into smaller, more deadly asteroids that start moving faster at you. And you have to use your rockets to move around. And, of course, your your ship doesn't just stop when you let off on the rockets. You know, it keeps moving. And so, I don't know. I could spend hours playing asteroids. And that, just... that game, I always had to go to the arcade to play that just for the vibrant color of it. Yeah. The, the... Yeah, I couldn't vector play it on, graphics. Yeah, or whatever it was, but just that was I was mind blown. Like, oh, this is so bright. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, the brightness. I yeah. mean, that was heavy contrast on the the uh, the arcade version because it's just black and white. But man, that white sharp, popped sharp on those old it was sharp. Yeah, and you know because the, the cabinet interior was solid black. So, um, yeah, they painted the interior of the cabinet. So when you're looking through the glass at the screen. All you're seeing is this black cabinet and these white vector graphics lines coming out at you on the on that bold CRT. Kay, do you have a favorite 2600 game? <clears throat> uh, what's it called? Adventure? Yes! You know? Adventure uh, was amazing! Yeah, that was... Especially the third variant. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, see? See, the first variant... Everything was easy. There was only like 10 screens you could go to. Mm -hmm. Second variant opened up the whole world, but everything was in the same place. So you once you knew how to do that, it was you just do it over and over again. Third variant randomized all the stuff. So you never knew where things were. So you had to go out and search for all the items to get the enchanted chalice. Adventure was amazing. Yeah. I never knew about the whole variant thing. I didn't know much. It it confused the hell out of me, but <laughs> I enjoyed it. Uh, that and uh, I don't think it was the uh, not in it artillery. Was it combat? It's the tanks. Combat. And I, I loved that, that and it was really funny. Eventually, my friends stopped playing with me because I was getting good at that. Because it, it you got like ricochet the artillery like it's bullet at it's them and, geometry. Yeah. yeah, it's basically geometry, and I was killing them. I was killing them <laughs> on that. And that I was did, fun. I did love the tanks too because it's it's a it's a hell of a thing when you bounce your artillery off a wall and mm -hmm. it's hit them when they're like behind a rock or yeah. something. Yeah. And they're like, how the hell did you do Bullshit. that? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's math. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, that was, 
But, but the the artillery game I was talking about, like you add like the powder, so you get the elevation. Then you oh, move the wow, real artillery. Yeah, yeah. it was really Shit. cool. I like. I I gotta find what it's called because it's gonna bother me now. They, but that was my favorite game. They had one that wasn't that was based on that idea, but it was uh, like cannonballer or something. Okay, a human cannonball. That's what it was. Where. You were a human cannonball person. You had to set the vectors on the cannon to shoot your guy into a basket on the other side of the screen. And did it too low, you rammed him into the basket and he died, or he went off the side of the screen over it. So it was a very simple game, but fun in how they laid it out. Now, I will say one that I loved in the arcade but hated on the Atari console was Missile Command. I could not play Missile Command at all on the 2600. You miss something when you lose that trackball. Yeah. I mean, and I tried it with, you know, my, my friend's like, oh, it's easier if you use the paddle. And I'm like, it's not easier if you use the paddle. All it does is move left and right a lot quicker. Oh, yeah. No, and no. that's it. You, you still don't have the elevation. Exactly. I got you the name of the game. It. What uh, is that game? Artillery Duel. Artillery oh, okay. Duel. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh, my word. Mm, welcome to 2600, cast. I'm your host, <laughs> Matthew Fargo. Dude, they're... they're that was a good system. I, I could make this whole cast us yeah. reminiscing about 2600 games. Rose-colored glasses. No, it was a good system. It's just like the people who read the Silver Age Marvel. It was a good system. <laughs> Don't believe what you said. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. <laughs> it, it was the next step in the stumbling blocks that was our modern video game system. Stumbling blocks was, was a fun uh, game. <laughs> Um, was, was it ColecoVision that had Burger Time? Uh, eventually, all of them had a Burger Time, but ColecoVision but had the most... Had it first, though, right? They might have. Because I, I in just remember... In, in television, might have had it first. Okay, I just remember that one of the systems, that was the only system you could play it on for a long time. And uh, I was always... My friend Greg, he was an only child at the time, uh, Greg McDaniel. And he... So he got, like, everything. So he had, like, whatever console was out... Did he have everything? Did he actually make the Sega Tower? Uh, I, I I don't remember. You remember that? Yeah. They had like three systems. You put them together like Voltron. They had, uh, they had the CD part. They had the, se- for the oh, Genesis. Oh, the uh, Sega. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so he'd, uh, he'd moved to a different city by the time Sega oh. came out. But um, I remember always b- pestering him to plug that one in because I like to play Burger Time. And Burger Time was only on that one system. He didn't have it on anything else. And he played the Atari the most. Uh, Journey Escape was the one I remember him playing the most. um, On 2600? On the 2600, because he could never figure out how to beat it. Like, he'd get, like, two or three levels in, and then he'd get to... I forget which of the level it was, but he couldn't figure out... You can't beat that one. That goes on forever. Yeah. There's no beating Journey Escape. So he couldn't beat third level. Well, I, I think we didn't know it at the time, though. No, of course. That, of that, course. Yeah, he's just like, oh, oh, I can't figure out what I'm supposed to do next. If, if it was 2600 and the game had an ending, it was more, more than likely... A glitch? No, it was more likely Sword Quest, Indiana Jones. Oh, okay. <laughs> the games that didn't stand the test of time. Uh, what I loved about Journey Escape was that it actually had pieces of Journey music yeah. in the opening. <laughs> right. But yes. in that 2600 MIDI uh, yep. you know, chiptune sound. But only in the intro, when yeah. you started playing the game, the music was insufferable. 
It, yep. was, it was like one of the most repetitious loops of horrid that after a while you just went mad and had to shut the game yeah, off. Yeah, well, you turned the sound off. That's what we used to turn the volume dial all the way down to zero. I will say, okay, uh, my friends next door had the Intellivision. So I go over to their house to play it. And they had something I'd never heard of before, and that was uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons game uh, for Intellivision. And that was my first introduction to the words Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, wow. And laid the foundation of what will this become later for me? And it was, for, of course, two or three years later that somebody said, oh, this is Dungeons and & Dragons, and this is how you play it, and I was hooked ever since. But it was in television, in that one little maze game that they created mm. for it that laid that D&D foundation for me. Yeah, <laughs> it's... Uh the, the, well, the <clears throat> there's, a, there's a whole field of academia that could be created on the intersection of Dungeons and Dragons alone and and computer gaming it's it's the influence oh yeah and the the retro going back and forth over it's 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 just a, uh, astounding now richard garriott creating the original alcabeth which later became ultima was basically him trying to translate D and D into computer, like mm-hmm. so many others were trying. Right. Wizardry, another example yeah. of that. Um. Yep. Uh, have I mentioned uh, the Great War on YouTube? A series. Yes. Um, he says yes. Uh, on the show, I, is that part of uh, extra credits? No, it's uh, it's the uh, the World War Two documentary. Oh, um, I do remember you mentioning it. Okay, I, just, I don't remember. You were talking about World War One though at the time. Like, yeah, uh, that was extra cause, credits because he yeah. uh, he uh, Andy uh, Nidell and uh, some other people are doing something uh, where they covered uh, World War One, and it was like this week in World War One. Oh, and they've now moved to World War Two, and they've just started. Ah. And they literally go week by week. So this is like going to be a six years long uh, podcast series. Wow. And it's it's interesting. It's fun. Uh, the guy's got a lot of energy and it's very informative. He keeps his episodes short. So they run real quick. And, uh, and it's really funny because he tries to attack it from the historical perspective. So week one... He's not even talking about World War II. He's talking about the Germany-Poland War and then so on and so forth. And he keeps moving on that. So it's actually very interesting. And if you can, if you can call it up on YouTube, I definitely recommend it, especially if you're a history buff. And the Great War is already done. He did that. And then he did Between Wars, which is where he talked about the 20s and stuff that went on between World War I and II. So it was all very... It, it's it's a pretty good series. I've been enjoying it, huh. so I definitely recommend that. Uh, and uh, I finally got the Rick and Morty versus Dungeons and Dragons comic. And you got me a copy of that for my birthday. Happy birthday! Thank you. It's 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 a funny, it's a funny comic. Patrick Rothfuss does a nice job of actually capturing the spirit 
of the cartoon. There's 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 one panel that you, you want to just blow up and make into a shirt because it's Rick going Dungeons and Dragons, bitches, you know, and <laughs> stuff like that. So <clears throat> it's actually a lot of fun. And uh, uh, as uh, as we were talking about, I got the cover variant that is Morty's character sheet. And it's hilarious because Morty's is 5th edition, and it's actually all rule accurate and everything. <laughs> and then in the book, you get Rick's character sheet, and that's Advanced Dungeons & Dragons. That's 1st edition. <laughs> yes. And the numbers are all outlandish. He's got, you know, 30 intelligence and stuff like that. And it's just, <laughs> it gets all bizarre and broken and, and weird, and it's really funny. And so it plays on a number of tropes and everything and really follows along with the uh, the uh, the TV show very well. So <clears throat> big thumbs up there. I just have – I just have, I can hear Morty's voice right now like, oh, come on, Rick, and critical failure one, Rick. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a scene <laughs> where, uh, where Morty is running around with a sword and he's just like, wow, this is great. And then and, – and Rick's like, yeah, that's a critical failure. And, and, <laughs> And Morty's like, oh, my God, you know. <laughs> I will have to look it up to find the name of the author, but I was reading a couple of different articles on Rick and Morty over the last week, um, and they're all critical analysis of the show. And one of them is about toxic fandom and how certain subsects of fans of Rick and Morty are watching it wrong and taking the wrong lessons yep. from the series. Whereas a lot of intelligent people, I would say most of the people in this room, um, well, all the people <laughs> in this room. It's <laughs> a bit of aspersion, but okay. <laughs> I'd pretty much say all the people in this room watch it for that kind of, you know. Nope. That satirical, <laughs> that satirical view of society and I want my Szechuan sauce. That's right. But, uh, and it's just, it's really kind of fascinating how, you know, you can have two different types of people enjoy the program for very different reasons. Yeah. And take the wrong lessons from what the actual show is telling you. And, And just how brilliant the writing is while at the same time being accessible to, I guess, the lowest common denominator, if you will. It's an incredibly layered show. Yeah. And uh, it, it, anyway, they're just just fascinating, dif- fascinating different articles. And one of them even talked about uh, that it's a um, it's a really hard look at um, uh, I forget what they call it. Um, it's not toxic masculinity, but uh, um, how societal's view of what is and isn't masculinity today is so broken because they don't know how to accept the different layers of what people are and how that show breaks that down and and, and in a way kind of bisects it into all the different characters on the show specifically you have rick who is you know almost pure logic and no emotion and knows everything but is still uh, uh you know still subject to all the foibles of humanity and morty who is like the full-on emotional side and goes completely to the other end of the spectrum and uh, yeah, yeah um, I think it was Movie Bob uh, talked a little bit about. He did a did a bit on. He might it. have. I haven't seen that yeah. one. This one was a it was a written article. It was on. Right. Uh, or it might online, have been. But it might have been another guy because uh, it was it was really good. He was yeah. like, if you're watching Pickle Rick, 
and thinking that that is a moment of triumph and 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 success for Rick. No, you've totally missed yeah, the point. Exactly, and he he takes it apart talking about it, and it's actually it's actually really uh, really cool. I'm trying to find the name of this YouTuber. There's a guy who did a cool thing uh, called "Stop Worrying About Plot Holes." Oh, yeah. I we, showed it to Jeff last night. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Patrick H. Willems. There we are. Name. Thank you. I, I see. That's it. Well, I'm looking for Willem parenthetical, and then I get lost and I can't find it. Yeah. But yeah, well, Patrick. And, yeah, I mean, it. That's that's something that I have been irritated with with a lot of online reviews for a while is they don't understand what plot holes actually are and yeah. he breaks it down very succinctly he in the episode well. of saying this is not a plot hole this is simply a you know a contrivance it's contrivance or in some cases is like you're calling this a plot hole when it is normal storytelling procedure to have gaps in time and you simply your brain fills in the gap yeah. oh they were here now now they've moved to here you know, in linear time. So they've had time to move from point A to point B and people calling that a plot holes has always driven me crazy. It's like, yeah. no, that's not a plot hole. You don't understand what a plot hole is. So And the uh, yeah. The it it's funny because I watch enough of the the asshole YouTubers, Ugh, my algorithm keeps throwing shit up. <laughs> so I watched Willem's thing and I was led to Willem's thing because movie Bob did an agreement uh for the escapist he does a thing he calls now the the big picture he was that, that's how i first discovered him but back on the escapist yeah. doing the big picture yeah and uh, he's back now so um but his thing led to willem and i uh i watched those but then of course the algorithm starts shooting up why plot you no know, uh finding plot holes are important and why we have to look for plot and it's really funny because just contrasting his approach and style and analysis with the counter analysis it really is just a fucking man baby ranting about how they 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 you know they're 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 angry because they're smart, and it's <laughs> it's really funny. That's a, that's a way of putting it. The other one he showed me was one about uh, geography of scenes. Uh, specifically, this one was referring to action scenes, but it was it was really good because it shows. Um, uh, well, actually, they had uh, an excerpt of the interview with Steven Spielberg from the I think it was the HBO special on him, where he talks about the geography of a scene and how. If you set up a scene right, it tells you where each element of the scene is located and how they will interplay later on in the scene versus a lot of these quick cut action sequences that sometimes are just completely jumbled together and you don't know where they're going and why they're going in the direction they're going and how that, can, that same quick cut can be used effectively and also chaotically. It was pretty fascinating. A really good uh, movie critic channel. Will uh, Patrick H. Willems. H is in uh, parentheses. Yep, and uh, that's so, what throws me. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It, he's he's really good. good. I started watching some of his stuff, and it's it's. Uh, I, I, of course, of course, it led into his why Last Jedi is actually uh, an awesome movie, and I watched that, and it was it. Yeah, and so. his takes on Jurassic Park are incredible. Yeah. 
I my my favorite with the Last Jedi is like some of these arguments people make, and I'm like, you know, it's funny. You can apply a lot of those complaints that you have to all the other Star Wars films, and you're complaining about this particular one just because it's the newest one, which is it's you know, it is what it is. But I don't know. I just most of these complaints about a lot of films lately are unjustified. No, it, it's, it's, there are some that are that are justified in the sense that you didn't like it and you're explaining why you didn't like it. That's fine, but don't attack other people for liking the, it. it. It's a social reactionaryism because it's no coincidence that the overwhelming majority of all of these shitheads are 20 to 30-something white boys with a bit of scruffy beard and their short cut hair and maybe a baseball cap and you know they're sitting in front of their their mic with the pop blocker and they're doing their podcast and their video show and that's them and their avatars all look the freak it's like it's like there's one picture and you, you have a little slider, maybe a little more in the cheeks. Change the color of the beard. Uh, we'll add glasses. But otherwise, it's the same fucking person bitching and moaning. And you wait long enough in these bitch sessions, they eventually say the SJW word, and you realize where they're coming from. It's just like, fuck you guys. What, did, what uh, is interesting from like a psychological standpoint is it's not really a new phenomenon per se, but because of access and audience it seems like it came out of nowhere whereas it it did kind of start in the modern era what oh six was what they were talking about on that one video we were watching that's when the when the word plot hole started to truly yeah okay so that in, was in that one uh, yeah, yeah 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 i but, saw that but as more and more people started to get online and started you know voicing their <laughs> that, their disgust for that something little tracking thing was hilarious yeah and they're they're well networked. I mean, yeah. some of those quote unquote takedown videos have a hundred thousand, mm-hmm. two hundred thousand views in in less than a year, and it's just sure. like I'm sure a lot of it is repeat viewing. And I know that a lot of these guys inflate their numbers uh, by do doing repeat stuff and things like that. Sure, or, or like when they stuff Rotten Tomatoes. But it's just like Jesus, you guys. Sure. They have, a. It doesn't surprise me that there's that many views. I mean, vitriol sells, and a lot of this is vitriol. And a lot of it is us. We're watching it going, what, what the fuck are you kids talking about? <laughs> no, I mean, the popularity comes out of, you know, some people are just so miserable that they want to find other people that are upset about something, and then they wallow in misery together instead of, you know, trying to focus on you know a positive and just say hey like we do here <laughs> i think we do for the most part <laughs> and uh, this goes all movies star jurassic park star wars there is no such thing as a perfect film right you love it hate it doesn't matter just realize that none of us own it except for lucasfilm yeah that's yeah. what it comes down <laughs> yeah. to yeah there are there are films that approach perfection, but there's no such thing as a perfect film. Top Gun, again, <laughs> not not a perfect film. No, oh, you're God. wrong. No, you're wrong, Jeff. He's right. Top oh, Gun. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> it's an enjoyable song. film, it's but started. it's by no means a perfect film. It's the highway to the danger zone. It will not be mocked. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> Don't ever try to break down the contrived love story in that one, because you'll just drive yourself insane. Jeff, you're just trying to take my breath away, and I won't accept it. <laughs> 
What contrived? They're the two hottest people in the room. You of know, course, they're going to fall in listen, love. Listen, that love scene. I'm just playing with the boys. That love scene is the most amazingly oiled up volleyball love scene I've ever seen in my life. That's true. You'll never see a more oiled up volleyball love scene. <laughs> well, Ever. you know, take me on your mighty wings tonight and let's move on. Wow. You went <laughs> deep cut in that soundtrack. Yeah, Matt. Come on. Where are the comebacks? Listen, you can be my wingman. <laughs> All right. Anytime. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff. You stink. <laughs> Kay, take me to bed or lose me forever. <laughs> Love that line. <laughs> like, oh, man, will I ever find the girl who will say that publicly to me? Yeah. No. Show me the way home, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> For the Geek Shock Book Club, we are still discussing The Lies of Locke Lamora by Scott Lynch. And again, that's an extra long book, so take your time with it. In the meantime, we are nominating next month's book. Got quite a few nominations already. I might have to shut it down pretty soon. <gasps> so get them in quick if you're going to do it, because the poll is going up pretty quickly. Uh, the only, this is the <laughs> only month that I insist on the theme. <laughs> it is October. The book must be horror. That is the rule. You said the poll is going up pretty quick. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. Men have feelings too. May I share mine with you? That's some beavers and butthead deep cut. All right. right. And uh, let's do a little bit of mail. Mail, mail. Listener mail. mail. Geek mail. Do we have a mail theme? Do you uh, do you do you have a mail theme that plays when you? Nope. Say? Okay. I don't have a mail theme. I don't have a red light, green light theme. Well, get on oh, it. Wow. So we need like gaming mail and Sam to. You know what? I'll throw it to the monkeys. Monkeys, <laughs> if you want to write a theme for either emails section or red light, green light. Send it to comments at uglycouchshow.com. And I got it. We don't even need the shock monkeys to do this. And if it's awesome, I will will uh, use it for the show. Oh, wait. Matt's got a poop. Yeah, no, yeah no, Matt, no. Matt, Matt, listen, Matt, listen. Matt says, fuck you, monkeys. He's got a better idea. <laughs> listen, for, for, for the mail portion, all you got to do is play a Seinfeld clip. Oh, hello, Newman. There you go. No. That is the mail. <laughs> nope. <sighs> Fine. <laughs> Hello. So, ideas. guys, yes. the, 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 the exactly. Matt's Facebook page, Fuck You Monkeys, was short-lived, <laughs> came and went. All right. First email. Guess who? Hey, fuckers. Let's, uh, well, first, let's. What? Let, let me say thanks, Commander K. Sure. For being surprised I haven't written obituary for you guys. Yeah, this is from Jake. Thank you for being surprised. I haven't written an obituary for you guys. Well, sorry, gentlemen and Matt, but I've seen way too many episodes of Twilight Zone to know that this is not a good idea for anybody. Back to Kay. You recently brought up how the comic version of Tarna in that bird thing has a different type of style, fighting style and doing silly poses. Now, I haven't read these comics, but let me just throw this out there. Uh-oh. Are you sure it's the same Tarna? If this is a continuation of a story in the movie, remember that Tarna sacrificed herself to destroy Lochnar. Then the girl, the 
then the girl, the Lochnar, is showing these stories to goes outside and becomes the next Tar... Tarna. Tarakian. Oh, Tarakian. Sure. So He's maybe, right. So maybe this story is about her instead of the original Tarna. Your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts would be that that is entirely in keeping with the story. So he's totally got a point there. Um, it could be that, let's see, where was I going? Oh, it. I would say that that then becomes an in-story justification that nevertheless proves my point in terms of the variations of sexism in depicting women in, in comics and cartoons. Because I think those points still stand. It's like the Tarna that is illustrated in this comic book is very typical of what they're doing to, you know, nowadays for female characters. No matter how badass they make them, there are certain visual tropes, if you want, characteristics that always show up. And the, the cartoon, you know, it was different. And so looking back on... The 80s idea of, a, you know, the sexist ideal of a warrior woman versus nowadays, I think, is very illuminating in terms of talking about culture and, uh, and our art in, in of itself. But in terms of an in-story justification, Jake is totally correct. Um, yeah, the, the bird doesn't show up. It's kind of sad. Aww. But, um, yeah, it's entirely possible. It may even be the girl from the movie. You, you know? You don't know. I mean, she's an adult woman now, but although she doesn't speak, that's one of the things. Is it is it Tarna doesn't speak or that particular Tarna, a Tarakian? I don't know. But he's right. Yeah. The movie totally ends with the spirit of Tarna mo moving into the girl. So All right. Okay, now that that's over with, let's get to the real reason I'm sending this email. Uh-oh. <laughs> Keep an eye on your mailbox, guys, because Ruh -ruh. I'm sending a package to you. Nothing major, just a game. Why am I sending a game? Because it will be the official Trivial Pursuit Horror Movie Edition. I sent this because I do hereby challenge Jamie Prano to dragged out battle to the death in testing out brain power in the world of horror. And most importantly, I also extend the challenge to you, Todd. Okay. okay. <laughs> wow. Jake, Jamie, Master Torgo, and hell if I know some random monkeys can join in this brutal four-way dance filled with violence death probably Andy to be our scribe to this epic battle can be passed on and talked about for years to come the place MFB Millennium Fandom Bar yeah the date Tuesday 10 16 18 a couple weeks away hmm. time sometime after 6 p.m. So save the date, monkeys. Any leftover scoops can feel free to join us as they say in horror, live or die, make your choice. Keep up the good work, Jake. Jake, if, if I will say, put this out there. I, where I work, I am on call, and I never know what my schedule is week to week. It's true. But, and that's one of the reasons why the show, when it goes up on Tuesday, is all over the place. Sometimes early morning, sometimes late at night. Always on a Tuesday, but you never know when. If it's late, because I had to work that day. But if I am available that night, I will be there for this battle royale. 
I invite the monkeys who are here to join us. But again, it says uh, four players, so we haven't received this game yet. So I'm watching the mailbox. But I'm excited because I heard the Trivial Pursuit was releasing a horror edition. And oh boy, that makes me excited. Haven't been this excited about a Trivial Pursuit edition since the 80s edition. (laughs) Next mail, Dear 007 Shock. (laughs) <laughs> All right, what did we what did we screw up now? What did we get? All right. You asked what props from a film we monkeys would want. I scanned through my collection of films, asking myself what one prop from each was most iconic in hopes that I'd produce a list that I could whittle down. That's that's a lot of dedication to this question. After a few minutes, I quickly realized just how many awesome props, doodads, and thingamajiggers that have been in films. Right? There are literally hundreds of really cool props that I could list off that I'd be stoked to have. But I didn't think you'd have the time or interest in complete laundry list of every iconic prop use since Charlie Chaplin swung a cane on celluloid. Mm. So after an hour of deep contemplation, I've reduced it all down to a Sophie's Choice of three and I simply can't pick one over the other two. Nobody says you have to. Right. I would literally take out a second mortgage and sell off some of my non-essential organs on the black market to own any of these. The razor that Robert Duvall uses to shave Frank Harris's face in the final scene of wrestling Ernest Hemingway. Or Tom Hanks' ukulele from Joe vs. the Volcano. Or the metal cash box from the murder scene in Dancer in the Dark. Wow, those are some deep cuts. Right! (laughs) This is from Bond, Gold Bond, the Alice. Nice. Yeah, those are some deep cuts. Although if I have to choose between the three, the Dancer in the Dark cash box. Goddamn dark movie. I just remembered (laughs) two that I didn't say. Um, how many weeks ago that show was. Are you feeling it? You want to give them now? Yeah, yeah. I'm feeling it. What you want? Briefcase Briefcase. from Pulp Fiction. That's pretty good. I thought about that when you mentioned Cashbox. And uh, PPG from Babylon 5, which is the handgun that the Earth Force uses. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I I have one that I... um, I don't have a place to mount it as as of yet, but uh, I have the... uh, um, Diamond Select replica of the uh, flux capacitor from Back to the Future that was a limited edition a few years back. Nice. And uh, I pre-ordered that sucker as soon as it was available for pre-order. And uh, yeah, it's it's a numbered edition, and it looks. I mean, it's it's gorgeous, and it's one of the when the you turn best, it on, it just yeah, it it does the you can you can adjust the frequency of the the fluxing, if you will. Um, but I mean, it, it's a gorgeous prop replica. It's probably one of the better prop replicas that I've ever owned. Nice. I mean, it looks like it's straight out of the movie. Um, I it, there's there's a prop that isn't a prop that I oh. would, I would. I when think is a prop not a prop? When it's bit from Tron. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah. That's because because he he was he was animated, right? He was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I just. I love that whole concept and that little, you know, a little spherical thing following you around, being a buddy. And I still remember the yes. game where I gave a, a bit uh, to uh, Paulette's character. Yes. And she was pissed off because <clears throat> she wanted 
this little robot assassin <laughs> droid defender thing, and all she got was something that went yes or no, and <laughs> she just <laughs> she was so pissed. All right, if, if, since we're revisiting this, my ultimate prop, the prop that I've wanted for most of my life. There, I think there's three left in the world that were screen used. And up until a while ago, I knew exactly where two of them were. Now I just know where one of them is. Oh, really? And, and Jeff will definitely attest to my absolute obsession with this movie prop. And that prop is the clown doll from Poltergeist. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I have worshipped at the feet of that diabolical being for decades now. That explains a few things. Yeah. Well, he was terrified of it up until what twenty years ago? Yeah, right. no. <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe thirty yesterday. years ago. <laughs> so pri- probably private collection somewhere. That second one you're you're talking about that you lost. One of them was here in Las Vegas for a good long time. Okay. One of them was on display at the Planet Hollywood at Caesar's Palace before they moved to their new location. Okay. When they did that move, it disappeared. I have oh, no idea yeah. where it went. The other that I know where it's at is in uh, L.A., and that is the original doll maker that made it has it on display in her in her doll shop. Okay. Uh, if that doll shop is still around. I haven't checked in a while. And the other one, I don't know, but the other one is the one that was uh, ripped apart on screen, so I don't know where that one is at. I have a, a co-worker that uh, is a classic car aficionado. And um, he owns uh, Plymouth. I think it's a Bell. Uh, they say it's, it's a Fury. Is it a Fury? It's not a Fury, Damn. but it's it's the one that's like the Fury okay. from around that same time. See, Christine it up. But no, that's <sighs> what I was getting to. Um, apparently, he has sat in one of only two remaining functional uh, prop cars from the movie Christine. That's brilliant. Uh, and he said the story behind it is fascinating. The guy was telling him all about it. Um, apparently, back in like you know the eighties and a little before, it was pretty easy to sneak into Universal Studios. Ah. So this friend, this friend of theirs that is he also a classic it? car fiction. No, oh, that's damn what it. I'm, I'm getting to. Um, <laughs> what happened to a prop car? A lot of times like after a film, Universal would just. They had a like a, a, a an area where they would just store all of their cars, and a lot of times they would sit there for just years, rotting away, unless they got reused on a on another film subsequently. And uh, after Christine was shot, and they they basically they scoured all these junkyards to put all these different Furies together for different scenes and so forth. And none of them were actual real Furies. A lot of times they were just the bodies that they painted and then put on a you know, a stunt car frame or whatever. And uh, so this guy was sneaking on to try to find parts and stuff and uh, got to talking to one of the guys said, hey, whatever happened to all the cars? Because he saw like one was there and it was in really bad shape. He's like, oh yeah, like a year or so ago, they sent them all to this this junkyard here in town. He's like, do you know which one? And so this guy that he ran into on the Universal lot told him which one. He went to the junkyard, found one of them that was in pretty good condition, Pulled it out, bought it out of the junkyard, restored it, and uh, and then drives it around. And apparently, it has appeared several times at Fright Dome here in Vegas, which unfortunately they're not doing this year. But uh, 
my uh, my coworker Look said at that, that face. Was, I'm so sad. Look at that face. He said that was like the coolest thing ever was when he got to sit in one of these things and just just sit there and go, this was in the movie. Because he said he absolutely was obsessed with the Plymouth Fury up until he got his Plymouth. And he still said he would like to have a Fury, but they never made it in that red color. Although they have the model kit out there. I do have that in my collection of model kits that will never be built. (laughs) Along with your Babylon 5. I don't know what you're talking about. I own a Babylon 5 model. God damn it. And I want to put out, before I go on with the show, a big thank you to Shock Monkey Elizabeth uh, for my birthday. She sent me a copy of Jeff Strand's Bring Her Back. Uh, Jeff Strand's one of my favorite horror authors out there. He always writes with a tinge of humor. This is one of his darkest books. And, uh, and even signed and inscribed on the inside. Nice. To Todd, this one is really dark. Sorry about that, Jeff Strand. Thank you, Elizabeth. This is a treasure i really really appreciate this it's going on display who's ready for some news yeah yeah who's ready yeah who's ready i'm Always. feeling yeah I'm go feeling ahead dancing jittery on this one ready for some news you don't give a shit about lay it on Yay. us <laughs> fuck you andy <laughs> wow news you don't give a shit about the gaming world got a jolt after multiple industry outlets reported that Telltale Games has laid off nearly its entire staff and scrubbed announced projects like a forthcoming game based on Netflix Stranger Things. News of a mass layoff that reduces Telltale's development staff to a reported 25 people came to a shock to fans of the Walking Dead series, an episodic multi-platform title that has garnered almost universal acclaim since the first installment landed in 2012. Telltale has released four main seasons of The Walking Dead, with the most recent, The Walking Dead, the final season, coming just a month back on August 14th. It's been just under a year since Telltale cut 90 people, reported 25% of its staff in an effort to streamline expenses. Uh, VentureBeat's Jeffrey Grubb tweeted Friday that the studio hasn't announced a shutdown but that the latest layoffs are indeed drastic, numbering somewhere between 225 and 250 people. In addition to The Walking Dead, Telltale has worked with other big-name franchises to develop episodic games, titles themed around Game of Thrones, Jurassic Park, Batman, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Minecraft. Citing an anonymous source familiar with the company, quote-unquote, U.S. Gamer reported Friday that the remaining skeleton crew at Telltale will continue to work on the final episode of the current Walking Dead cycle, but that planned games based on The Wolf Among Us and Stranger Things, which was first announced in June, are effectively canceled, quote-unquote. With news of the layoff breaking, the company put out a statement via social media confirming the news, calling it a majority studio closure. This hurts. Yeah. Yeah, really I saw does. I saw a tweet from one of the developers that got laid off, and he's like, "I was reading, and I was like, wow, the emotion in this tweet." He was like, "Companies don't care about you. Do what you want. Do what you want to do with your life, because they'll just cut you in the end." And that was the end of the tweet. I was like, "Wow." Hey, I, I get the uh, feeling. Go see your doctor. You won't have health care. Blah, blah blah. And I was like, "Wow." Well, it's um, yeah, and there's truth in that statement. Yeah, it's apparently they've had a very rough last fiscal year. Yeah, even though they've been outputting product it just hasn't been selling well and uh it it really kind of struck me when i was reading uh some of the stuff online about it that it's true because i remember that i got the the batman series for pretty cheap 
I mean, I granted I bought it almost a year after it came out, but you know, I got both of those full episodes, uh, the part one and part two, um, for like 10 bucks. So yeah, that's, that probably doesn't even cover the initial cost of development on that. Um, Excuse me. Matt Colville retweeted Turtle Rock Games. They put out a, uh, a tweet blast where they were like, <clears throat> uh, anybody who worked with Telltale who, who needs work, uh, let us know. Come talk to us. We want to talk to you. So that was like really nice. Was That's terrific. A lot of people reaching out saying, hey, if uh, you're looking for work, you know, give us a call. So at least providing people with opportunities to find something else, maybe. I appreciate you using your sexy voice to put that out. Yeah, there. What was that? Oh, yeah. No, that's my post-second birthday cake cookie voice. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, Kay brought some birthday cake cookies from the Mickey variant. God, that was just, it was just hilarious. Uh, was it on the podcast when I mentioned... The, so. the Oreo birthday cake or beforehand. And then a day later, I'm in Walmart, and there's a whole wall of them. It was just like, oh, well, that, that that's fate. And there's How Mickey fortuitous. <laughs> Mickey is on them. Yeah, Mickey, too. The hell? Disney's everywhere. Yep. Just wait till yep. Oreo. It comes out that Oreo told a pedophile joke 10 years ago. <laughs> and, uh, News you don't give a shit about. Guess where my cream came from. <laughs> that was good. I like that. I like that. I said, like, eat another one. <laughs> <laughs> the last time anyone was attacked by Robert Englund's Freddy Krueger okay. was when he went up against Jason Voorhees in 2003's Freddy vs. Jason. God, yeah. such a good film. That's about to change. Uh-oh. Oh. As England is coming to terrorize TV's 80s throwback family in the Hollywood episode of The Goldbergs. Really? Nightmare on Elk Avenue. Uh, Nightmare on Elk Avenue goes inside the head of Adam Goldberg after he sees a Nightmare on Elm Street and gets totally freaked out. Mm. Freddy, every kid during that time. Every oh, kid. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I didn't want to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. That, that was impressive. I remember sleeping in the bathroom. That night, really? Yeah. What What's safe about the bathroom? The safe about it was the center of the house. There were no windows and only one door. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Wasn't the bathtub like in the middle of the room too? No, we didn't. That, no, they didn't have anything like that. It was on the far <laughs> side. But but yeah, I, I grabbed all my blankets and pillows and moved it to the bathroom because it was a much more fortified location. Listen, I actually slept on a uh, waterbed during that time, so there oh, was a lot no. of sleepless nights. I would check, like push down into the like. Okay, <laughs> nothing's in there, even though I'm not asleep yet. And that's, wow. from, part, and that's from part three. Yeah, yeah. part three. Ooh. Oh, I hated that. Freddy is the only uh, long undead character who has risen from the grave to pay a visit to the Goldberg house. The Schwartz was with Rick Moranis when he voiced Dark Helmet from Spaceballs back. Uh, back to Earth after the show's pop culture geek Alex dreams of an epic lightsaber face-off. So uh, the Goldberg's Nightmare on Elk Street episode debuts October 31st on TV Land. And it'll be the first time Robert Englund has been in the makeup for, in front of the camera since nice. Freddy vs. Jason. Wow. I can just see it now. Like, 
hopefully they have a handicap entrance so I can get in there. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> he's not that old. Man. Yeah. Oh, no, no wow. handicap. No handicap ramp. Okay, next sleeping kid. Oh, my okay. God. Jeez, man. <laughs> wow. Brutal, this guy. Yeah, he is. It's like he's these ganking he's, noobs. He's like the youngest on the show and doesn't appreciate the elders. <laughs> yeah. He'll <laughs> <laughs> be one of us soon. News you don't give a shit about. According to the Ipswich Star, a newspaper for one of England's oldest towns, a local mother reported being awakened almost every night by seemingly disembodied voices, voices of children, (laughs) singing the nursery rhyme, It's raining, it's pouring. Eventually, enough was enough. The mother reported these spooky happenings to the Ipswich Borough Council, which had its rapid response team investigate the industrial estate behind a nearby railway where the ghostly tune was emanating from. Turned out the woman wasn't hearing things, and the culprit wasn't supernatural. A loudspeaker was playing the tinny music as a security measure, but it has gone awry. Quote, The sound is only supposed to act as a deterrent for opportunistic thieves that come onto our property, and it's designed only to be heard by people on our private land, said a spokesman for the industrial site. We are now aware of the problem. The motion sensors were being triggered by spiders crawling across the lenses of our cameras, (laughs) and it looks like we had it turned up far too loudly. But that that thing was layered with all sorts of creepy because they, 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 they ran a video of it, and it sure as shit is creepy, and it's very smart. I think, I think you had that play as a as an anti theft deterrent. You'll actually <laughs> most of your thieves will run. It's creepy. It's just one little girl singing. Yeah, it's raining, it's pouring. The old man is snoring. But they also showed the cameras where the spiders are crawling across them in infrared, and it's like, oh my god, this is <laughs> this is a nightmare. <laughs> it was terrible. Weekend geek. Yay. So empty. Just so empty. In an interview with The Hollywood Reporter, Walt Disney CEO Bob Iger admits that the company's output of Lucasfilm content, quote, was a little too much too fast, and that the, quote, volume and timing of films beyond next year's episode nine is being cautiously evaluated. Following the disappointing box office performance and critical reviews of Solo, a Star Wars story this past summer, Disney and Lucasfilm execs have reportedly reevaluated their plans for future standalone films, including prequels for Obi-Wan Kenobi and Boba Fett. That's not to say that Star Wars content is going to be disappearing. J.J. Abrams' yet untitled episode 9 of the Skywalker saga is still on track for a December 2019 release, and The Last Jedi director Ryan Johnson is working on his own new trilogy of Star Wars films. In addition, Game of Thrones showrunners David Benioff and D.B. Weiss are developing their own standalone series of movies. Iger admits that as popular as Star Wars is, they might have reached a saturation point. Quote, I think the mistake that I made, I take the blame, was a little too much too fast, he told The Hollywood Reporter. You can expect some slowdown, but that doesn't mean we're not going to make films. J.J. is busy making Episode Nine. We have creative entities, including Benenoff and Weiss, who are developing sagas of their own, which we haven't been specific about. And we're just at the point where we're going to start making decisions about what comes next after J.J.'s. 
But I think we're going to be a little bit more careful about volume. Careful? Careful. 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 When did the Swedish chef come out? <laughs> Disney and like, <laughs> running the show over there. <laughs> Careful about volume and timing, and that the buck stops here on that unquote. Although Iger was only specifically referring to the film business in the interviews, it's worth noting that the Star Wars universe is also expanding in TV, uh, though much of that more deliberate pace. Uh, Star Wars Resistance, the animated series set prior to The Force Awakens, is set to premiere on Disney Channel in October. And the beloved CG series Star Wars Clone Wars returns next year on Disney's upcoming streaming service. And then there's Iron Man director Jon Favreau's own live-action series, which is reportedly going to have a $100 million budget also for that new streaming service. Yeah, I'm heartbroken. I, I was, like, looking forward to Star Wars every year, probably, you know, until I die. And... (laughs) No, I, absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's what was going to happen. Yeah. I talked a little bit with Shock Monkey Elizabeth about this, and, and I agree with her assessment. You've made the same assessment as well, Kay, that it was weird for Star Wars to leave December. Yeah. Yeah. To throw their hat in in May, which they really didn't do. Or well, was it May it or was... June, something like that. It was a film that I think would have done better in December, as opposed to May. Most certainly, Solo. I, I, it's because it was going up against major summer blockbusters, many of which were Disney's own films. And the the the, the whole thing about the summer blockbuster is dying. Yeah, I mean, back when school schedules and movie schedules really mattered, but with streaming and 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 Blu-ray. You you just you don't have to worry anymore, and 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 movie theaters having multiple screens, yeah. and starting even on weekdays, some of them will have viewing starting at ten or eleven a.m. I mean, you just don't need the summer. It's like yeah. and, and and get out of that that mindset, and, and a, it would be a great Christmas tradition. Yeah. Come on, some um, Star Wars during Christmas. That Star Wars kind of owned Christmas for these last few years. Yeah, yeah. it was great. I loved it. I, 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 I honestly was hoping they would hold to that. When I thought it was incredibly fortuitous when they got that delay, and because they were planning to be a summer, and then they got the delay for the the Star Wars uh, Seven. And that pushed them to December, correct? Right. right? Yeah, I believe so, so. So it was fortuitous that it happened, and then it was a glorious box office. And well, it's I th- like, I actually, I think it was Rogue One that got pushed back and ended up on, in did, December because I think it was originally supposed to come out like late summer, and they pushed it back to December, it, if I remember correctly. It was just, it was a great, it was a great time, and and uh, just a great Christmas tradition. It would have been. And I, I, I don't know. May, I think maybe they did hurt themselves. There's so much analysis you can do. I don't know. I mean, I still, I still get a little nauseous because even though we keep going back to it, you know, the, the turd fans crowing about their influence and how they uh, hurt Solo. You gave me exactly and, what I asked you to give me. Wah. And, and, <laughs> and I don't think, 
I, you know, I've seen some analysis where it's like, no, they didn't have as much influence as they thought. No. There was stuff going on that was trending. Maybe it is overexposure. I kind of figured because they were alternating, right? You do yeah, your, you your base trilogy and then the anthology. Line, uh, yeah. yeah, that it was going to be all right. I don't know, because I'm all for that. I want to see tons of Star Wars ships. Mm-hmm. I want to see tons of blaster fights. I want to see Wookiees and Twi'leks and... and, and Go and, back thousands of years, the start of the Sith. This, yeah, that, you like, know, just run all over the place. I, th- I thought it would have been awesome. Get away from the... F- Skywalkers, fuck. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's uh, and something else that I just occurred to me is like if you pushed if they had pushed Solo back to December, you would have had probably the same people that whined about it would have had more anticipation for it and probably would have enjoyed it more because you had a whole year between Yeah, cuz that was within Last Jedi, 5 months. Yeah. Instead of, you know, oh, we just got Last Jedi, now here's Solo, a Star yeah. Wars story. And and that could be as far as they're thinking, too. Yeah, I mean, no one's be. saying that we're not going to do this every year, but we won't space them five months apart. Yeah, I think that was the, the only mistake they really made with that film, um, at least in my own opinion. And the marketing was pretty shit. Yeah, the, the marketing was not great. It didn't give you any information about what the film was going to be. And the film itself was... I thought an enjoyable surprise. It was fun because mm. I, from the marketing, did not know what to expect other than that this is a the marketing and the pre-release solo press story. Yeah, and all the bad press beforehand. Yeah, I was not. I was in the same boat. I was not expecting what we got. Yeah, I, I literally went into the theater, sitting there waiting for the lights to dim. Go. I don't know what this is going to be about at all because even the clips that I had seen told me nothing about the storyline. And then I got into the film and about halfway through, I settled in and said, you know what? This is a very intriguing story. This is a, you know, a scene out of Han Solo's youth and it's telling you basically how he got the Millennium Falcon and how he met Chewie. It's not a full-on origin story, but it's enough of an origin story so that you understand how he plays into the the greater Skywalker saga. Yeah. And that I thought it I thought it worked perfect. But, you know, some people they got the the solo pardon the pun, the solo solo movie that they wanted, you know, or that they had begged for years for and then were upset because they got what they wanted. So, anyway. Oh, uh just to double check Force Awakens was released in uh, mid-December. Uh, it was delayed because of uh, Harrison Ford's injury. I think. That oh was right, the yeah, deal. that one. Uh, that one did get delayed too. Yeah. But I, I do remember uh, uh, Rogue One also got pushed back for some reason. Yeah, too. Well, yeah, it got pushed back for some reason, and then I, I thought it was settled. I really did. Yeah. Oh, Christmas. I love it. Life it, day. It, it made sense. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we were simply reading into it because it did make sense. It's like, oh, December last year, December this year, December next year. Yeah, it just it flowed. And it, 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 what kind of competition you're going to have? Nobody's yeah. doing that kind of movie in Christmas. It's a per. It's yeah. just go out there and own it. It's like poetry. They they, they rhyme. Yeah. <laughs> okay, George. <laughs> Marvel's development of a film project based on Jack Kirby's The Eternals is moving into the next stage as a director has now joined the film. Earlier this year, Marvel Studios head Kevin Feige teased The Eternals, a group of nearly immortal, super-powered beings created by the Celestials 
who live in hidden cities on Earth and even move among the stars as a potential future franchise for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Somewhere Biggs is screaming. <laughs> yes, he is. That tease <laughs> was... It's Feige! Why can't you guys say it right? <laughs> it's so simple! Oh. <laughs> I have it written right here. Feige. <laughs> that tease was followed a month later by the news that Matthew and Ryan Furpo, who did Ruin, has been tapped as by the studio to write a script for the project, and now a director has been brought on board. According to The Hollywood Reporter, acclaimed indie director Chloe Zhao, who did Songs My Brother Taught Me, has landed the Eternals job. Oh, indie director. <laughs> Not Indiana. You know, <laughs> well, like, I, I was... <laughs> For some reason, my Brett, because we're so, we were on such a Lucas kick there, I was like, I was like, famed indie director. I was like, when did they have a female indie director? It's always been Lucas and uh, and Spielberg directing. Oh, indie film. I got gotcha. you. Not much is known about the Eternal script so far, but the Hollywood Reporter notes that the sources tell him it's a love story between the characters Icarus and Cersei in the cards. There's also no word on when we might see the film. As much of the MCU slate post-Avengers 4 is rather murky beyond Spider-Man Far From Home, uh, Black Widow, a Black Panther sequel, and the now infinitely delayed Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Yeah. Man, that really sucks. Every time. It, it, I just... All right. Wait a minute. What are you doing? Stop it. What are you doing? That's not what I want. What are you doing? Skip ad. <laughs> what the hell are you doing? What are you doing right now? What? Wait, when what? Did Hold pa- on, Kevin Feige. Are, are you? Tr- Kevin Feige. That's what right. I said. Feige. That's what I said. Feige. You said Feige. Feige. Yeah. Kevin Feige. Yeah. Feige. Feige. That's what I said. Feige. It's Feige. It's Kevin not. Feige. No, it's not. <laughs> it's Feige. Yeah, on this show, it is. Okay. It's saying Sorry. it. It's saying it over and over again. It's Feige. <laughs> I was right. Just listen to it. And when did Paul come back onto the show? See? Kevin Fige. It's perfect. (laughs) I like that you screwed it up with the ad. (laughs) Like I said, it was a a very Paul moment. Those fucking ads. And it's like counting down. You can get rid of this shit in three, two, two. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. (laughs) God damn it. All I right. hate that half the time it won't even let you skip the ads anymore. Oh, yeah. It's like yeah. content will play after ad, and then the ad is like 20 seconds long. Mm. Would you like to subscribe to YouTube Red? Yeah. See, it's not even doing that anymore. It's not saying subscribe to YouTube Red and have no commercials anymore. It just simply is oh, yeah. ad, ad, ad. Well, yeah. it, it tells you after about uh, once every like 30 and it's like, hey, remember Red still exists? You can uh, skip, yeah. skip all this crap and li- and watch they could, Karate they, Kid. They could sell to me, too, if they were like, you want to avoid this shit? <laughs> I subscribe. Dude, you should have subscribe considered. just to watch Karate Kid because that's so good. But anyways. Yeah. I have considered dumping cable for YouTube TV because YouTube Red is included. So I would be able to watch all the normal TV content with a virtual DVR and be able to watch YouTube and YouTube Red content. Ad free. This commercial brought to you by YouTube Red. <laughs> yeah, what, what did you sell out? Holy, wow. no, I'm just 80s, saying. It, tell us about NeuroBliss. Well, <laughs> Cox Cable jacked up our bill again. So yeah. I'm like, hmm, at what point do I just You're say. You're so old. Yeah. Look at you. Oh, Cox Cable, goddamn bu- do you have, is It's all bundled too? You got That's it all bundled? That's what old people <laughs> do, Matt. They worry about cost. <laughs> they just yeah. fucking cut it. 
Jesus! <laughs> there are things I want to like? be able to do. There are certain TV shows that I like to record that are on broadcast TV. And until recently... You can come aboard my galleon, Kirsten has, and we can sail to Tartuga. Come on. <laughs> I was going to say, until recently... There what? really wasn't a way for me to easily record over the air broadcast. Tartuga is not is not perfect, dude. I know, but it's I better actually than... i i was uh, I was at a friend's place that has uh, 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 diplomatic access to oh, Tartuga, okay. and i I went to the anime section. I couldn't get anything. I couldn't watch Bleach. I couldn't watch Evangelion. I couldn't pick. I was like, "All right, I'm gonna catch up on all this shit," and nothing was there. I, 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 I went to TV shows. I, oh, well, there's now. a trade dispute between Tortuga and the anime. Mm. So apparently, it's all on Crunchyroll. Or ah. and and, and uh, which Crunchyroll actually now uh, Chromecasts? So. Yeah, there's there. Um, so I have it on my tablet. PT technician uh, Angelica, who gives me you know now that you know you know Paul's not here, she's my my anime insider. Ah. There there is a subscription service that includes Crunchyroll and a whole a uh, whole bunch of. Well, I thought Crunchyroll's free. At least it it oh, is on dude. my tablet. Oh, dude, it. Fucking sucks. Does it? I I what, I try like watching and Bleach, and I'll get five, five adverts for Universal Studios Hogwarts <laughs> in a row, in a row, and it's just randomly inserted. Haven't been to Universal in a while. Oh. Take another look. Oh my god! <laughs> and then splashes of color and the. <laughs> Gryffindor lion and the this and and it looks interesting. I'm like, oh wow, that's cool. And then it repeats, and I'm like, okay, all right, fine. And then it repeats, and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And then it repeats. It's like Jesus Christ, you need to pay to get out of the ad shit. And there is, I I, I totally uh, blanked on what she told me it was, but there's one service you join, you actually you you pretty much covers everything it's crunchyroll and funimation maybe that sounds and, right and 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 a bunch of others but i i just i can't have i got i gotta pay for my teeth yet by the way everyone got thanks again done, for your right? support you still have the second one to, right to work uh on? Yeah. it and and the greatest of ironies i got the one bad one pulled that's right. the massive infection yeah my face was swollen so i just got that one pulled and um, the infection is going away. But because I started chewing on the other side of my mouth, uh, yes. the other tooth that was temperature sensitive is, begun, is becoming a whole bunch of other sensitive. Mm. And it needs, it needs a root canal. Oh, boy. And it's a capped tooth. It's a crown tooth. So it needs a special, it needs special attention. I, it apparently got a crack in it. So... After I was like, oh, wow, they pulled the tooth. Pulling a tooth is cheap. Yay. It's like, no, no, no. This is going to be much more expensive than you anticipated. So I was like, oh, thanks. That's great. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, with the the crown, they got to pop the crown off. They got to be very careful with it. Because some of them, they actually have to crush. Like, I remember when I had to have my crown replaced. They they couldn't get it to just come off with, like, the the little pry thing. So they said, all right, so... 
We're just going to prep you here. You're going to hear a really sickening crunch. That's yeah. your crown, but don't worry. That's just how we have to take it off. And I'm like, what do you mean by this? I was like, oh, my oh, yeah. God. When they were pulling my tooth. It felt like it was happening in my yeah. brain yep. when they crushed it. Because the sound like, goes through the yeah, bone. Yeah, exactly. That's when they were pulling my tooth. It was the same thing. I, I heard slash felt this. And it was just like, oh, that is weird. I didn't feel a damn thing, but boy, did I hear it. Yeah, it was like, yeah, exactly. I didn't feel anything at all. I mean, but it was just that sound. That sound was unlike anything I'd ever experienced before. And it was just like, it's like the stuff of nightmares. I mean, it literally is like it's, you know, you see TV you know, in movies where, you know, somebody gets like a leg crushed and, you know, the sound effects or whatever. It was right. like that amplified and in my actual brain as opposed to <laughs> seeming like it was coming from, you know, inside my mouth. So, you yeah, see, Abby Dental. Right. What? You see, uh, <laughs> what's his name? Shit. Evil Dead. Campbell. Ash. 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 What's his name? Bruce Campbell? Campbell. Bruce Campbell. Crunching down on celery. Oh yeah, that was the that's the the ah. leg the bone breaking sound effect that they were doing and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually got to do some foley work in in uh, in uh, in college in the film school, and it it's pretty interesting. Some of the things you use for different sounds, dude. I mean, when you we did see those making ofs where Ben Burt is yeah. going out looking for sounds. Oh yeah, you almost want to go. I I want to I want to be a sound engineer. I want to go out and be a, a sound guy for Hollywood. That, we had, uh, just because you mentioned the celery, we actually had like a uh, a whole bundle of celery, then we just twisted that for a bone break, and that was pretty interesting. I remember uh, uh, shaking the, the tin foil for thunder, and of course we had to do the standard, like none of the scratch sound for footsteps on set worked so you had to we had a little box of sand that you stepped in and then we had actually different types of soil for different sounds and stuff and you like you're actually physically standing stepping into it and then trying to do it in sync with the projected image that's in front of you and it was it was it was a fascinating thing i had an absolute blast doing it I once attempted some axle foley work, but I got waylaid by a banana in the tailpipe. All right. You know what? I thought we were going to go the week without losing anybody. Oh, it's never going to happen. We're at that age Just today. Today. Today, this was added. So big sad day for Star Wars fans. Gary Kurtz. Yeah. Legendary producer on the original Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back has died at the age of 78. Gary Douglas Kurtz got into the entertainment business in the 1960s as an assistant director on the 1966 Western film Ride in the Whirlwind with Monty Hellman. In the early 70s, Kurtz went to work for Universal and became attached to a project from a young writer-director named George Lucas. The movie was American Graffiti which became an instant success and kicked off a fruitful collaboration between Kurtz and Lucas. When it came time to make Star Wars later in the decade, Kurtz was a driving force uh, behind the mystical religion of Lucas's ambitious sci-fi universe. Driving, I get it. (laughs) It was also Kurtz who convinced 20th Century Fox to produce the movie for $11 million. And when filming became cumbersome, 
He established a second unit and shot a lot of the pickups himself. These are said to be most of the cockpit dogfighting scenes and most of the Star Wars opening scene interior fight sequence on Princess Leia's ship. In 1980, he returned as a producer on the sequel, reportedly even coming up with the title The Empire Strikes Back. He did not produce Return of the Jedi in 1983, and he wasn't impressed with it either. While speaking with Hero Complex in 2010, he revealed that the creative differences pushed him to leave. In the initial outline for the trilogy capper, Han died in the middle of the story, and the film ended on a more bittersweet note with a shattered rebel movement, Luke walking off like a Western hero, and Leia settling into her role as queen. Lucas decided he wanted a more upbeat ending and kept Han alive and added Ewoks. Aside from Star Wars, Kurtz produced a number of other movies like The Dark Crystal and Return to Oz. Yeah, he was... Yeah. Also, we lost Al Matthews. Yeah, that's when I was just going to see if he had... The actor who portrayed Sergeant Apone in 1986's Aliens. He died at the age of 75. In addition to James Cameron's Aliens, Matthews started in a number of other genre projects throughout his 40-year career, including Superman 3, Tomorrow Never Dies, and The Fifth Element. However, most fans will always remember him as the gruff, cigar-smoking Sergeant Apone, who psychs up his contingent of space marines before they land on LV-426 and get their asses handed to them by Xenomorphs <laughs> and their queen. Yeah. Bad ass. Absolutely <laughs> bad Hudson, ass. Hudson, get over here. Get <laughs> over here. <laughs> he reprised the role in 2013, voicing a pwn for the Aliens Colonial Marines video game. He also worked as a professional folk singer in England. Matthew's wow. final starring role will be as Williamson, in the Western-slash-action film The Prince of Death, which is set to be released in October. Wow. Man, yep. still working. Yep. Yeah, he was... God, he was iconic. Yeah. He was just awesome. And it's, it's very memorable for, I guess, what you would consider a throwaway character in that film, because yeah. he doesn't last for very long in the film. There aren't Actual too many throwaway type. characters in Aliens. Well, I, I meant as far as actual screen time. You're right. He has some of the smallest amount of screen time. Dude, all those Marines were... And he he dominates. I mean, he's yeah. he's a big presence in uh, every single and he, yeah, he's moment a, he's there. And he's not like a screen-chewer dominant. He just... His presence is so outstanding, and his attitude is apparently... And apparently he was actually an actual decorated Marine. Yes, he went yeah. to Vietnam. So, so it would make sense... I mean, it's kind of like with Arlie Ermey, you know, he was just supposed to be a technical consultant on Full Metal Jacket, and the guy that they had hired apparently just wasn't cutting it, um, and so they allowed him to take on the role of Sergeant Hartman, and not only that, he did something that um, uh, Kubrick never does, is allow improvisation. And so he allowed Ermi to improvise some of the lines based on his past as a, um, you know, an actual drill sergeant. So, um, but yeah, this this guy as well, Al Matthews, was very iconic in that role, even though, you know, as with pretty much everybody in that movie, he dies early on. But. Wow, yeah. Yeah. Carrie Fukunaga of Maniac and True Detective fame is suiting up for Bond 25. 
The embattled production of Daniel Craig's final outing as James Bond has found another director to take over after Danny Boyle's short-lived tenure. The film is being bumped back to 2020 now. I was about to watch Maniac this afternoon, and I ran out of time because I wouldn't have time to finish it before the show. But uh, uh, the clips I've watched, it, it looks interesting. I like Fukunaga as a director for 25. Yeah? I, I, I think it's a fun choice. I am, I am all for this Bond. I mean, I was sad to lose Boyle. I was super excited about Boyle. Sure. I mean, that alone was going to... First time in a long time made me excited for a Bond movie. Right. Dandy Boyle at the helm. And boy, when he when that crashed and burned, I about crashed right. and burned with it. Right. Fukunaga, I'm back on board. I, I can deal with the, this choice. According to USA Today, Spider-Man for the PS4 sold $3.3 million million dollars jesus christ 3.3 million copies we must be an hour and a half we must be an hour and a half in the show dr evil uh, (laughs) doing the press announcement 3.3 million copies of the first three days since its september release that is a record for sony add that to the million pre-orders also a record for sony and you've brought the total up to 4.3 million people playing in the first days of availability that tracks to about $258 million spent on this game before and during the weekend of its launch. It broke God of War's record as fastest-selling first-party video Listen, game boy. release. <laughs> That's pretty good. In Sony's history, beating it by 200,000 copies. Uh, by breaking away from movie tie-in and focusing on gameplay, Spider-Man has outperformed its franchise competitors in a way that sets a new bar for superhero games. With DLC on its way in October in the form of a bundle titled The City That Never Sleeps, fans can play three new storylines. Can oh, that's you cool. can you like design your own Spider-Man character or no. something? No, but there's a lot of costumes you can unlock. A lot of costumes. Okay. And each costume has its own special power. Cuz I was working my job and one of the things that popped up is somebody had a clip of his gameplay and his spider costume included a flaming skull head. Yeah, I just unlocked and, that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay. I all, so. all white costume with a flaming white skull. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's it's really the cool. Ghost Rider suit? <laughs> the Ghost Rider suit? Is that what that It's very Ghost Rider inspired. Okay. Even the uh, the special ethereal ability that you have with that. But uh, but yeah, there's a punk Spider Man, and of course okay. all the all the classics are on there. That's cool, yeah. including the, uh, the the original Spider Man outfit with this you know the suit with this, the mask over his face. Yeah, the suits are fun. The game is just goddamn fun. All right, and story wise, so much fun. The character work done. I'm I'm not just talking about like motion capture. I'm just talking about the written characters and how they grow as the story goes on. Oh, okay. Super impressive. Nice. I wonder if the success of this Spider-Man will put a nail in the coffin of the um, Battle Royale game. So like, hmm, maybe we should just shift to no. single-player superhero-type games. No? No. Okay. I mean, God of War sold like crazy. This sold, sold like crazy. Uh, there's a could always be a market for both these things. Battle Royale's not going anywhere. And although there's... It seems like every five years there's some written thing that uh, solo games are going away. They're they're enjoying while they last because they're not lasting. No. The solo game's never going to go away. Yeah. Because the majority of people actually want to play on their own, especially with some of the craziness that 
goes on with online multiplayer. And the two <laughs> last record-breaking titles were both solo games for the PS4. Really, I mean, when it comes down yeah. to it, if money is your reason, there's your money. Yeah, Matt. And God of War. I, it wasn't uh, like I was against a solo-player game. I'm just saying, just like the movies... Is it going to be like, oh, well, Spider-Man did really well, so let's do like a, a game for Iron Man, a game for Fantastic Four. Let's do this, the, that. like. And that God of War, uh, the more recent one, I just recently found out that's Christopher Judge who played Teal'c on Stargate SG-1. That's playing the God of War? Yeah. That's that his, makes sense. That's his voice. That makes like, sense. Like the whole time you were playing oh, yeah. it, I was like, I was having deja vu and I couldn't figure it out and I finally... Well, he says he says something similar to Indeed in the game, oh, okay. and the int- the intonation. I was just like, that sounds just like Teal. I'm gonna have to look this up, and and then I forgot for like weeks, and I was doing something at work one day on break, and I was just like, oh, you know what? I should look this up and see if he's done any voice work. Ah, that was him in God of War. So rock and roll. Yep. An all-new female-fronted Marvel series is in the works at ABC. Alan Heinberg, who wrote DC's big-screen adaptation of Wonder Woman, will be writing the series. Details are still scarce, but it's reported to be an hour-long drama focusing on lesser-known female superheroes in the Marvel canon. In addition to writing the Wonder Woman script, Heinberg helped relaunch the character for DC Comics in 2006. He also wrote Young Avengers, as well as its sequel, Avengers The Children's Crusade for Marvel Comics. Other than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which started its sixth season next summer, the, uh, that, that is starting its yeah. sixth season next oh, summer. Oh, did you go back in time? I kind of went in a little loop. Gotta get yeah. back yeah. in time. The network hasn't had the best luck with MCU shows. Agent Carter was well-liked, but ended up canceled after two seasons. Mm. Then there was that one lone season of Inhumans, that, which was not well-liked. Inhumans was really difficult to get into, and I don't know if it was... I mean, there were some talented actors in it. I don't know if it was just the writing. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was the writing. It just didn't draw you in. Um, it took Legion for me. Like, I, I'm yeah. so hard trying to get into that. Agent Carter, I really enjoyed, and I was really surprised how many people were resistant to watch it because it was getting critical acclaim. Um, Haley Atwell owned that character. <laughs> I mean, you saw her. Obviously, in you know Captain America: First Avenger, and subsequently in some of the other Marvel films, but when she is solo and playing that character, and being kind of the one in charge and doing the espionage and stuff, and also having to fight against the sexism that reared its head after post-war, where you know she's relegated to getting the coffee and doing stuff when you know here she was a full-on agent out in the field doing all these things and suddenly is now seen as a secondary agent and in in some cases almost like a tertiary agent and she's fighting against that the writing was fantastic the acting was superb i just it, it still to this day baffles me why that series did not garner enough audience because um, there were a lot of young female viewers that were watching it and enjoying it, but well, we can't have that, Jeff. Yeah, I know, right? And Agents of Shield, I think, really, the last two seasons came into its own. Finally, I mean, just like it was good before, but it was really good those last two seasons. I, I still mean. have to binge the last one. Yeah, last season's good. Oh. And uh, 
the the only positive I'm taking out of it is that yes, we're getting a season this next summer, but they haven't definitively said this is the final season. And even the actors are like, we're hoping that this could lead to you know a reduced episode count like summer series because those do seem to do better and they think their series could continue on for another couple seasons. So they're keeping their fingers crossed. And I'm keeping my fingers crossed for them too because that cast is amazing. And it's they work so well together. That chemistry is amazing. Well, I'll couple that last story with this story because Variety reports that the all-new, still unnamed Disney streaming service will now include new live-action limited series focusing on various Marvel Cinematic Universe characters, including Loki, Scarlet Witch, and more. I saw that. That's really intriguing. While other Marvel-based TV shows produced by Disney, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., for example, have remained under the Marvel TV banner, these proposed series would fall under the guidance of Marvel Studios, which means that studio president Kevin Feige, the MCU's mastermind... (laughs) will have hands-on involvement in shaping them. Just just stop. <laughs> just stop. Variety's report. Put that phone down, Kate. From the west, Feige. in the distance, we hear. <laughs> Feige. Feige. Variety's report Feige. notes that the plan is to focus on second-tier MCU characters for these six- to eight-episode shows and to bring in the original talent who played them on the big screen. That means big budgets, big production values, and a big bet by Disney on consumer interest in its streaming service. The streaming service, which is expected to launch sometime next year, was already... Yeah, Matt just shit his pajamas. You know that scene at the end of... Big, Big Trouble, Trouble Little China, China <laughs> where the guy's blowing yeah. himself up. Thunder. That was Matt right now. He just grew two <laughs> sizes. <laughs> I don't think he's going to stop. <laughs> uh, it was already a massive endeavor, the streaming service, as set to feature everything from Disney's animated classics to the theat- theatrically released MCU films to Star Wars. The last piece of news should have clued everyone into the idea that Disney would want something exclusive and MCU-related on the service, and now we have an idea what that might be. We don't know exactly how it's going to manifest, but uh, the it's-all-connected approach of the MCU has always made fans long for something that's really connected, and the big budgets and limited runs of these reported shows might give us that. If Disney making this happen with stars like Hiddleston and Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany and Sebastian Stan, Letitia Wright, and so on, uh, really do take to the small screen for these projects, MCU fans will have little choice but to pay up and give Disney their streaming money. And if that happens, there's no telling how big the new service gets and how much of the MCU will expand as a result. I just don't see it lasting. The Disney service? Well, or all the, 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 the balkanization. I just don't see it lasting. It's too much. Until they stop drawing direct profit from it, they're going to keep doing it. Yeah. Because it's that whole... That's why all or these studios... certain people forget to cancel. Well, that's, that... that <laughs> <laughs> this is your fault. Okay? I, I, I think it's ironic that you're blaming me for something that is... <laughs> as, Apparently, a lot of people do this. A lot of yeah, people do forget, forget to, to cancel yeah, and exactly. do yeah. the monthly charge. But you're but the one sitting in the room. I can 
vent at you. So that's what I'm doing. Yeah, I'm 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 the one responsible for the millions of dollars they've collected. Uh, no, Jeff, I, shame the, on you. I mean, as soon as the studios started buying up internet service providers, or I should say, vice versa, internet and communication service providers started buying up studios. <laughs> it was inevitable that this was going to happen because oh, sure. it's all vertical integration. They can basically produce all their own content and distribute it on their own so they don't have to pay anybody else to distribute it, even though a lot of the distribution was on you know, their own companies anyway. But <laughs> the exhibition, they own it from beginning to end. You're getting back into those Monopoly days of the, you know, the cinema which uh, the 1920s. It'd be interesting if that would ever, I mean, no Republican administration's going to do it, and the, the, the modern Democrats so far well, probably mean, it, wouldn't, but it'd I don't be think interesting to see if somebody would step forward and start breaking that I don't up. think it's a Democratic or a Republican problem. I think the problem is that... It's a plutocratic problem. Congress oh. in general and the presidency are so pro-business that yeah. they're blind to the notion that That's we are reestablishing monopolies mm -hmm. that oh i don't think they're blind well I think, I think they know what they're doing and they, they don't see care. their stack of cash just fine yeah really <laughs> no, um, no you know I, I'm, I, I, I'm wrong it's not they're not monopolies they're plutocracies mm -hmm. torgo said that wow no less than two minutes ago yes he did yes he did yeah you and i were talking at the time um <laughs> That was a happy Gilmore moment right there. <laughs> but uh, I, what I mean by it not lasting is it's so balkanized, I can't see it sustaining as a business model. Uh, some people are going to do some, – some companies will do well, but there are some that won't. And eventually, someone will come along and start reconsolidating. You know, there'll be X, Y, and Z. Disney will be crushing it. You know, whoever will be crushing it. And then X, Y, and Z will be suffering. And so they'll come together and you'll slowly start getting companies come back and, and, and go under a single umbrella. I have a feeling that's what will eventually happen. Because even, even if it's just eight bucks a month, six to eight bucks a month, and you know... It's not going to stay that way. No, I know. No. Um, it's 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 too much. It's like you know, every single fucking studio having its own. Unless it all got bought up by Disney, then I guess you'd be all right. <laughs> it's, that's coming because then because the, then yeah, well, you just it's, it's going to be it's going to be Disney, Amazon, Netflix will be the third smaller one, and then Hulu, and they'll they'll battle. <laughs> Netflix is the mirror max in this whole thing. <laughs> what they'll, no they'll, no CBS wait, all access? No no that'll I'm be sorry. Good. I'm sorry. No. I meant to say oligopoly earlier. Oh, oligopoly because well. you're having you're having the majority of <laughs> services. You. Torgo. Run oh. by run by only a few companies. Well, yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah, that was my mistake. I, mean, I think I somebody actually thing. put that out as a game too. And as Hulu and Netflix monopoly. will battle for that third spot. Yeah, they'll be battling. Well, no, because it's all the individual studios doing their thing. Yeah, the, the CBS. CBS, CBS will be like, we have Star Trek. Hey, yeah, remember well, us? Dude, well, but CBS is trying to remerge with Viacom, so it's going to be Paramount CBS again. Yeah, and and they'll you know so and starting everybody's so yeah. I think I think you'll, NBC will figure out how to do theirs. What well, is, NBC, NBC is owned Universal? by Comcast or Universal. Okay, yeah. Um, Disney ABC owns is Disney. ABC. Um, Fox is 
uh, Fox will still Nazi con- Germany. Yeah, I was going to say, Fox <laughs> will still continue to be its own network, but all the content that was produced by Fox Studios will be owned by Disney. <coughs> ah, yeah. Well, so, yeah, it will. Pen- pending, Disney pending will be the new Netflix. Yes. Disney, it, it, Disney's going to own most everything. Ten here years shortly. from now, it'll probably be get your Disney service and you, you'll be set. And but I'll yeah, be right anyway. But yeah, it, CBS is like the loan not owned by a. I mean, well, you have CBS Studios, and I guess CBS Films just recently was a was a uh, spinoff of CBS Corp. But it's uh, insane. It's but they're, they're planning to re- why? because they have the rights to the NFL, so they'll be fine. Well, no, but see that what I'm saying. Access, so they'll be fine. Them recombining with Paramount. They, uh, I was watching uh, this thing on the market analyst, and they're saying that even if those two entities recombine. They still are only a fraction of the size of your Comcast Universals, and nobody can compare to the Disney conglomerate right now because Disney has so much content that they own. Nobody can truly compete with them. That mouse is just grinning. Oh, yeah. They're grinning yeah. grinning ear to ear. Yeah, it, good Oreos, too. My issue on the other side of this is that for me now, it's getting to be a little too much. Yeah. Not as far as like like the cost or anything. Just too many things. I'm just talking about Marvel stuff. Yeah. Because I haven't watched The Gifted. I haven't watched it all the way through. I haven't, I I've haven't watched, watched Legion. We know you haven't watched Luke Cage. I haven't watched any second season of anything <laughs> of the whole Defenders shit. I haven't watched Cloak and Dagger. And it's not like he doesn't have time. I know. He reads like what do you mean he I reads the Library of Alexandria every night and he can't fucking <laughs> I don't have a lot of extra time Play when I'm not Spider-Man. Working, when so, I'm not working. Says the guy that will binge watch fucking Plush Time wins for 5 hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's 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 half a season of something that you could watch. Yeah. Instead of watching the same people do the same shit over and over and Holy over and over coming again. Coming out hot over here. <laughs> coming out hot. <laughs> and which do I find more compelling at the moment? Oh. That says a hell of a lot. <laughs> sure, so blame I, Marvel. No, so, no, I got all, and that's and just Kevin Feige. And that's one How of the, dare you? And that's one of the reasons I Feige. do. I, oh. <laughs> <laughs> From the West, Feige, 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 Feige. Let's call the whole right thing there. off. Oh, Ige Iger. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, sir, it's pronounced Igor. Yeah. <laughs> but, but. That has actually been one of my more issues and why I have been watching more of this the YouTube stuff is because I become so paralyzed with choice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I'm like, I can't commit to 12 hours of a series right now, but I can commit to about a half hour to an hour of plush time wins and then the other YouTube stuff that I stumble across along but the you're, way. So yeah, I was going to say, you're, you're doing the same thing with YouTube, though. You have, you're paralyzed by choice because I've seen mm-hmm. you go through mm-hmm. hours of content looking for something and then suddenly you're... You're right. You're, you're onto like one segment, you know, yeah. for... But I'm not dedicating myself to that, to that 12-hour story. So basically, you're, you're like that Star Trek episode where it's like, love... Choices. Just I'll start reading. Ten episodes of YouTube <laughs> takes me two hours. Ten episodes of Netflix takes me ten hours. Yeah, and that's what it really comes down to. Because I don't have all that extra time because of the weird schedule. Sometimes I do, and it's wonderful. Well, but what I'm it. saying is, the, then, the actual amount amount of committed time you're committing 
or the amount of time you're committing is equal. You're spending five, six hours on YouTube versus five or six hours on stuff that you already have pre-recorded. Sure. I'm just saying the actual physical amount of time. But when I is set up, but when I set up for that time, uh-huh. I'm not setting out for five hours. That's just where it ends up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. I, uh, dude, I used to actually. I mean, I think I, I think we've we've covered this like on the podcast. I've I've waited. I've sat there and logged on to Netflix every hour for Luke Cage to start, and then I would binge. And I have not seen the the second season Luke Cage, the second season Iron Fist. I've yet to see the the latest um, uh, Agents of Shield. It's dropped on Netflix. It's there. I just haven't done it yet, and it's really weird because it's not even for lack of time. Because that's well, I don't really want it on in the background while I'm doing the job because I want to pay attention. Sure, but. Still, I I could make time for it, and it's funny. I just haven't. And that's just all the Marvel stuff, not including all the horror movies I have on my backlog, all the other series that I have sitting on the DVR that I have not watched that are going back over a year now, and plus all the goddamn minis I have to paint. So you can crush Matt. And the Emperor's name. Yes. That's the correct choice. I take back everything except about him. <laughs> All hail the Emperor of Men. What's crushing your time? Write to us comments Ow. at uglycouchshow.com. And until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander Feige. <laughs> Believe that. Hey, we'll talk to you next week in Geek. I'm glad we got that Fige thing all figured out. Because, because you I, figured Fige? Yeah, I figured Fige. Yeah. It's Frankenstein. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Pronounce it right, people. Now, it's not pronounced right. It's pronounced Feige. 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 That's what I said. Let's Feige. call the whole thing off. Tomato. Tomato. <laughs> potato. Potato. Feige. <laughs>